Platform, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Trevor Scott, and with me, as always, is Ben Slinger. It's me. I'm the other guy. Welcome, Yay. welcome. We're both guys, we're here, and we're actually both had our first vaccination. So that means that we've gone over the threshold for this uh-huh. podcast to sort of yeah, loosen podcast things up a little bit. This podcast is at least 70% partially first vaccinated. First, so first shot. that enables us to bring in a little bit of easing of restrictions. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be so locked down anymore. What we are going to have, though, is a threshold in each of our games today. Yeah. So I think each game, yeah, we'll have the, some, the concept of some sort of threshold in every game. That's going to be our restriction. Uh, and we're going to keep doing this until we're fully out of lockdown or until it just gets tedious and we don't want to do it anymore. Oh, but, uh, that, that was an option, was it? Okay, it got tedious about <laughs> two or three episodes ago. <laughs> says you, Trevor, says you. I think yeah. the restrictions help. And look, if we don't end up using them in the game, it's fine. So It's, this it's game- our own self-imposed rules, unlike rules around- the state, which are definitely not self-imposed. They no, are as, many, as much as many people laws. like to think <laughs> that they are. Yeah. Uh, what's this game we're talking about? It's Click Pitch, and it's a game where we each have a random word generated in front of us. And on the count of three to one click, we're each going to get a new adjective and a noun, and we're going to use those to create a little, a little video game. One of those things. So, just a little one. Just a little one, just like five or 10 minutes or 20 or 30 or 40, depending on how far we get into it, like sometimes happens. Uh, but, you know, if we're finding it fun, we'll keep it going. And if we're not, we'll throw it away. So mm-hmm. let's start. Three, two, one, click. Unsafe, explosive. Assorted pleasure. LAUGHTER <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could take explosive in a number of different ways when yeah. combined with those other words. I mean, I get a lot of I get a lot of pleasure out of looking at explosions, fireworks. Yeah, it's I get sort of colors. I get a lot of pleasure out of an assortment of uh, like lollies, some of which might be unsafe because they're disgusting. Like jelly beans, for example, especially the black ones. I don't mind the black ones actually, but for some <gasps> people. Yeah, I hate black ones. You have to be- I wouldn't want to eat the black one last, is the thing. You have to- See, I actually eat them first, get them out of the way, because they're okay, then enjoy the other one. Uh, So, can we make a game out of- Because there's also that whole thing about, like, would you eat the M&Ms if you knew one of them was going to kill you? Kind of. So, in other words, would you eat the M&Ms if you knew that one of them was a Skittle? Yeah, Skittle you're allergic that will to Skittles. Choke, yeah, that that very you know uncommon but totally real Skittle allergy. Yes, uh, that exists. Taste the rainbow, taste the death. Mm. Mm. Taste the painbow first. <laughs> taste then- the painbow. <laughs> okay, assorted pleasure. That's ooh, just just the idea of a VR game where you get to take handfuls of. Of assorted candies and Ooh, throw them using the that. using the full on like quest uh, finger detection stuff. So you're like grabbing a handful of, of candy and it's like running through your fingers, yep. falling out between the cracks. Um, and the threshold is, of course, like a certain percentage of them are poison. Yes. Okay. 
Is this just a like well, Russian uh, roulette uh, style? Are they? Are they you, you know um, how they used to say "taste the rainbow" and all this sort of stuff. And I remember there being something about a flavor explosion. Mm-hmm. Well, what mm-hmm. if having a skittle is literally a flavor explosion that blows your head apart? <laughs> <laughs> okay, interesting. So, how are we utilizing that f- f- for gameplay? Is you've, this- got, Ooh, you've got to collect okay. all those all those flavor explosions, and you well, use them as your weapons in the game because you throw them at someone, throw them into people's mouths, and their heads explode. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Because you talked about the VR, that's cool. You got bags of like bowls of like lollies, candy, whatever, in front of you, different things. Is this a VR social game, Jackbox esque? Um, but in VR, and the 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 explosive candy is like almost an extra mini game, or it almost like a. So we could figure out what the actual games are that you're playing, but like if you take a handful of candy, you might get a bonus in the game, but you're taking a risk. And every time, and because then of course every time someone takes some candy and doesn't get their head exploded in a flavor expo- explosion. There's more chance that the next person will because the ratio of explosive to non-explosive has changed in that yes. bowl. So there's well, some sort in, of mechanic in this around- whole room. Is it this whole yeah. room that there? There's a rogue skittle that made it into into this room. Yeah, or five, and or one the- like one per player or something, or like whatever. Yeah. It's almost a Russian roulette style thing. Ooh, that is- there's five players and there's four skittles, so there's always going to be one winner. Yes, yes. It's exploding kitten, exploding kittens rules in which there's yes. always, you take, you take them out until you've got just, just the right amount. So you yeah, got one Yeah. So is winner. this almost a, yeah, is this almost a, a card, like that sort of card game, but we're doing, we're setting it in VR. So we're not actually limited to physical cards. It's something to do with, with the candy, whether the candy is, is actually like the main sort of thrust of the game or if it's, if it is sort of a side scoring thing or something. Where you can use it as a boost, but you're taking that risk every time. Um, or do you think there's something in the game that like compels Ooh. you to have you have to take a handful, or you get a choice to take? A handful? <laughs> okay, I kind of like the idea. That this is um, what was that um, role playing game with the Jenga tower? Do you remember? Oh yeah, Dread. Dread. So this is a new role playing game that is set around a a table, and you. You're all sitting there. Yeah. And it's that whole thing where you're taking snacks and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. as part of the game mechanics, that when you actually want to do something, you have to take, you know, a you can take- type of snack. You can take a couple of, a, a couple of um, M&Ms and you can have them. And that gives you a certain amount. But if you take a handful and shove that, shove that into your gob, basically you've increased the chances of su- success, but you've also- Increase the risk. Uh, increase of- the risk of critical failure. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I like that. I like that. Hmm. Uh, I think still doing it in VR because I just love the idea of watching someone sh- shove candy into their mouth and literally seeing their head explode in color everywhere. Yeah. And then, like for the rest of the game, that splat is just everywhere, and they've got like a ghost head. Uh- <laughs> yeah. So uh- I-, I like the idea that the characters can still play their their. Um- 
Well, maybe there's a role in here for the dead characters too. Yeah, that they they sort of join the um they join the NPCs then or something like that or they. Yeah, well, I think if we we're going to do or it- in in the Among Us sort of thing, they can still perform their tasks, but they can no longer win. So they can they mm. can help you know help the whole team along, but um the person who survives the longest is is obviously the the winner of this role playing adventure. So is this. Because we're going with the kind of snacks around the table thing, is this maybe almost a Munchkin-esque thing where it's a spin, or it's like a, a satirical spin on an actual Dungeons & Dragons game, but not, but with actual rules, like with that, I mean, not that Dungeons & Dragons doesn't have rules, but you know what I mean, like an actual- And not that Munchkin doesn't have rules. Well, of course. <laughs> but yes, I mean, it's it's not just a role-playing game with an op- with a Dungeon Master and stuff, it's- the using the tropes and the and the the trappings of uh, a tabletop role playing game, but a bit more actual structured rules, and it, it may even be that one of you at di- at different times you get to be the DM or something, and you have some extra powers for a time or something like that. Like we play on play on those ideas, but it's um, but it's actually more just like a multiplayer board game. Because uh, actually, because one thing that I mean, Munchkin obviously does this a bit, but I like playing up that metagaming around the table a bit more mm. where you can, you know, draw a card and it's something like, you know, the the game, the dungeon master uh, has a grudge, is holding a grudge against you. So all roles, you know, you'll get a disadvantage on or something or whatever. Like anytime- you, you were caught, you were caught slacking. In other words, you didn't, you didn't grab your handful quick enough. So now, you know, the, the, um the DM who is actually, I think a a computer controlled DM that um yeah is actually yeah. forcing you to take um taking taking another handful yeah okay time. I like <laughs> I like the computer controlled DM because do you know what that just gave me vibes of what do you remember the old VHS games like Nightmare oh yeah <laughs> where you just had the picture that came up on the on the screen at different times, it just, I don't, you you've obviously wouldn't do it quite like that with this one, but it just gave me those vibes of all of a sudden you've got this, like, person telling you what to do in this board game, essentially. Um, I mean, wouldn't it be fun if it's set in a basement? So Yeah, yeah, I think so, you'd lean right into those tropes. And then behind behind the dungeon master, like, you've got the dungeon master screen, and then you've got, like, a CRT TV with a VCR there. <laughs> that's not quite i wasn't quite thinking to go that far that could be a good little easter egg actually but what i do like is you've got the dungeon master screen and that dungeon master just like pops up sometime like that's when they are giving instructions they're just like come out of that dungeon master screen (laughs) otherwise they're like it's just a puppet (laughs) um no, I like that having it, having the setting and stuff because then you can you can add things into the game where it's like, oh, you rolled a certain way, and that means the DM's mum comes down and like is handing out snacks or something, and and you know that that affects the game in some way or whatever. Um, what what if each character that you play gets assigned a random allergy? <laughs> you could have traits like that, whether it's not that everyone has an allergy, but like your character, you roll your character, but what you're rolling is your player, not your actual character that they're char- that they're playing. They get they get de- determined for you, like they're just standard. Um, but yes, you you essentially roll your player. You you roll your stats, and if you you know you take a dump stat in in charisma, 
and that actually gives your player, no, um, you know, acne and all this sort of stuff. Your Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> players, you can't put anything in charisma. <laughs> <laughs> um, They're all dump stats. Uh, no, I like, I like that. And you could even have- some things that either come out through the game or that are, are rolled into it where it is about the relationships around the table to a certain degree. Mm. Uh, it's like, oh, you two are friends, but like this person, you know, that they don't get along or whatever. And so if there are like things that come up between the, the actual characters on the table, but between them, then the players have different, uh, advantages and disadvantages it, it could be very much you know murder mystery night rules where you get given like a, a sheet of paper that you sort of read and it's like okay i'm the best friend of the dm i i like this character and will yeah. get a buff if I, if i help them out in combat and you know yeah, i guess i guess is there i guess at what point like do you hide that from the other players then or i guess some things you might i think i think it's uh, you're the only one who can view it. Like it's it's on a um, it's on a screen or something for you that yeah that only you can see. Oh, basically, I think everyone's seeing the same screen, but the difference is they're only seeing their own stats on it or whatever. So it's just right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because I do like some of the things then of like of secret information, which is something we enjoy doing things with them, which is perfect for VR. Mm-hmm. Uh where it might be like, oh, you're, you have a crush on, you know, this player, on on Jeremy. Uh, and that may or may not come into play in the game, I guess. But maybe you get bonuses for in some way for yeah. playing As I said before those, about yeah. hel- helping out in combat and that sort of stuff. And, of course, eating the snacks around the table and, you know, ta- taking a swig of, of, of you know, um, the DM's mum's tequila. You know, that- that gives you <laughs> gives you another bonus stat. <laughs> yes, yes. Maybe it dep- that could be a character trait of like if you get the the like rebel kind of character, then they can steal from the leaker ca- cabinet as one of their actions, as long as they selected the um the you know trinket at the start of the master key because that <laughs> actually gives them access to. Or if, the they, or if their charisma is high enough that they can convince the DM, who is a computer, uh, to, like, op- unlock it for them. Yeah. You, maybe that's, like, a role. It's a contested role against them. Actually, I, like, I, I, I kind of want to lean into now that essentially it almost is a tabletop game where each turn you've got, like, an, a couple of certain actions you can take. They don't have to be playing the game. They no, could be they- going and getting a snack. <laughs> they could be taking, like, taking the candy. They could, you know, you've got, you've got different things. Um, um t- go- going to those, um, you know, the, the corn chips that are the roulette ones that have, like, the hot chip and then, you know, it's one in six chance of, of getting the really hot chip. Yeah. Yeah. And so you take a small handful of those and, and that gives you, you know, like a, an extra, Chance yeah, so it's in not your necessarily just the Skittles and stuff uh, with the explosive of uh, the flavor explosion. It could be, yes, you you can you can eat the but the the hot ch- the 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 roulette chips and you might get a bonus from the like extra cornstarch that you just <laughs> that you just uh, ate, or it could set your hair on fire and you miss a turn or whatever it is, you know. Oh, you you go to you go to open the the two liter bottle of Mountain Dew that you got. Was it shaken uh, shaken up? Like 
you know, did someone else use their use their turn to <laughs> actually shake it up a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, that could come into, you know, who you want to screw over. There's the other social dynamics there of you don't want certain other people to win, and so you can take your turns to 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 sabotage them in some way. Well, if they go off to to you know try and get snacks or or you know. I'm imagining that a couple of the characters, well, one of the characters at least, uh, they get they get a bonus like or advantage on the next roll if they go to the bathroom in the roll before. So you right. know something's coming up and it's like, okay, I'll go to the bathroom now. Yeah, but now other people ahead. are still getting their turns and they're like, I'm going to shake up their Mountain Dew now so that they get this yes. advantage. Um- <laughs> I love that because again, the benefit of VR, you can hide that from them. Like literally you, you transport them to the, to the toilet for, you know, 60 seconds, give them some little things to play with in VR so they're not too bored. But meanwhile, in the other room, the characters are doing whatever they want, you know, to their stuff. Uh, but obviously knowing that the other people around the, who are still around the table can see them might tell them about it if there's other social stuff going on there. So, there's a lot of reading the room going on. Mm. (laughs) I like this a lot. I think there's a lot you could do with really applying those D&D-ish or board game rules to the actual players around the table. And that works really well for VR. There's there's definitely, when you get towards the end of the game, the aggression of, you know, flipping the the table sort of thing of- (laughs) I think that's that's a that's that's your nuclear move there, right? Because that essentially ends the whole game. So you've got to have some some good things up your sleeve to to be able to pull that off. But uh, because because people can actually, you know, if they didn't use their nuclear move, which was to, you know, say that they're calling their mom or something like that and and leave. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, I. <laughs> Jesus, There's just so many really fun funny. things that we could do with that's this. That's really funny. Um, and look, we didn't take it sexual. Like, Assorted Pleasure was literally no. going to take it. So No, we just went for the- I mean, I don't know. I feel pretty horny for Skittles sometimes, but uh, that's that might just be me. Mm-hmm. All right, let's, Read one click. let's move on. That was- I really like that one, though. Incompetent elitist. Base role or, or bass role, I guess. B-A-S-S. Well, and role being R-O-L-E. So, it could be- Maybe this is another role-playing game around bands. Uh, <laughs> what were your- Wait, what were your words? Incompetent elitist. Incompetent elitist. I mean, that works for bands as well. Um, bass role. Okay. I do like the idea of this being around a bass guitarist. Um yeah, I kind of i I want to see this as a open world Skyrim esque RPG mm. about a bassist who got fired from his band and is now looking. For, you know, he basically he got fired from his band for being incompetent or something like that. Basically, or like the incompetent elitist is like the guitarist from the band who is yep. got you know high visions for themselves above the standings and kicked you out because, you know, your vision's in the line. Yeah. Uh, I like- And then- Yeah. 
a la your brutal legend or something like that, where you get to go out in, into the world. The difference is that it's not a full on, you know, hack it's not and slash. a fantasy metal. Is it a fantasy metal world though, or is it a? I think real it world needs situation. to be a fantasy metal world. Okay, because okay. there's something about fantasy metal that is actually. Kind oh of yeah, cool. um, I like, I like take, taking from. A, a particular song by a, a band. I'm not sure whether you, whether you heard of them, Kuradust. Um, does mm, ring a bell. Yeah. Um, uh, they had this song, funnily enough, called Kuradust that they talked about their bassist having, having this mystical power to like vibrate himself through other yeah, things. Yeah. I think, I think now I'm, it's, I'm, it's coming back to me. I think all of the band members had various powers. Yes. So mm-hmm. I think in this game, the bassist, I, I his name just eludes me for for the moment. I, he he sounds probably, pretty pretty probably awesome. Probably nobody um, too important. Let, or let's interesting. Not, let's not good looking. Let's not actually say that it's <laughs> it's the Kuradas members because I am the bassist and um, the the guitarist was not incompetent. He was actually, he's no, actually no, one no. of our good, very good friends. So yeah, no, I think we just. But I, I do like the idea then. Okay, of super rock so, powers. Yeah, essentially a a game where musical skill gives you superpowers, essentially. This is normal. Yes. I think, is it just music then in this world that gives you powers or is it that everyone has some sort of superpower related to their, like, skills? Well, I think it's that whole thing of in Skyrim, you're the dragonborn, so therefore you can use all the all the shouts and all that sort of stuff. Right. No one else can really use those. As you go through, you in your first dungeon that you go through, you get the power to vibrate yourself through, um, through you know, yeah, certain Doors bars and all whatever. that sort of stuff, and vibrate yourself through matter. Later yeah. on, you actually. Um, you know, you get the electric guitar that sends out electric shocks to-, to Well, hang on, hang on. I think this would be better as then a party-based RPG, where oh. essentially- <laughs> No, but come on. Because then you're, then you're building up your actual band as you go. Like, the, the thing is, the start is obviously you kicked out of this other band- Whatever they might just become side characters, or maybe that guitarist becomes the nemesis, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then the game, the the rest of the game is you are, yeah, you're you're building up the rest of your band, and you can have choices of who to bring into your party. Like with some of those RPGs, you can you can choose who are your companions. Oh, uh, so so maybe there's like. Uh, three or so different guitarists that you can choose between, and yeah, exactly. And singers, and three drummers. S- well, singers are dime a dozen. Like they're just everywhere. Like, um, but you know, to get it. <laughs> Hang on, that that was a, a big finger that I just got put up in my face. <laughs> oh, that's right. Ben was the singer in our band. <laughs> I forgot uh, about that part. <laughs> <laughs> Not and the you know, then there's a few different drummers that you can choose between. Yeah, exactly. I think I think you meet these different people along the way, different personalities, and then by the end, you it it it's going to end in this fucking epic rock battle with your chosen companions. Uh and that and that's just that's fun. That's cool for the player to to see yeah. that all come together in the way that they chosen. Um, but of course, you have got the side quests along the way that are that are all about you know um, getting the money to. 
to be able to buy that new equipment or buy that new amp or- Well, yeah, I think you'd level up essentially by be- being able to afford better equipment or then there's perhaps like a reputation sort of thing of like, oh, you- if you get good enough to play a certain venue, then okay, you and then that's a battle essentially, uh, and then and you can level up in that way to to bigger and bigger venues and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, anyway, is this a world then? Because we talked about the rock fantasy world. Uh, how how fantasy is it? Um, it's not Skyrim fantasy of you know, but is it even to the brutal legend level of like giant it's, it's- towering? Metal statues of metal gods, or are we more talking just that it's not only you? Like it's not the real world where someone coming through with magical superpowers, rock superpowers, is gonna like people are gonna lose their mind. It's somewhat expected that people have different varying levels of abilities. Yeah, I I kind of like the idea that there are cities that you can go through and all this sort of stuff. And there's there's one big set piece that I'm I'm imagining where you you play like a gig in the middle of the middle of the game after you've chosen your your sort of characters and all the all the powers, you know, sort of go out and like set this whole city on fire and start you know crumbling <laughs> the buildings and all this sort of stuff. And you realize, yeah. shit, we we don't have enough control over this. And it's that's cool. Yeah. I like that idea of, of actually, because you don't often see that in an RPG. You're so often just building up from nothing. Your power, you know, your powers from nothing. I like the idea of that you actually build them up so fast that you lose control of them, and then the next part of the game is you is gaining- you learning that control mm. and and that's so cool actually. That have, having that set piece, you know, the only reason why I said it is because if you look at at the album cover of containment failure there's like a, a fucking city falling down in the background yeah um but i just thought you know it's actually kind of cool having that that feeling of you know just having too much power and now having to control it through well it'd be interesting you know, to, to bring in some mechanics during that of like attempting to gain control of it and not being able to like i like the idea that and I don't know if we want to bring in, in rhythm-based stuff or, or whatever, but um, I like the idea of utilizing the UI in ways where it's like, okay, up to this point, you've, like, fired off your different powers as you attack things or as you play. Like, maybe you've got different meters for audience response or I don't know. However, however that A threshold as such. Battle, yeah, you know, perhaps a certain <laughs> threshold. Uh, however, that battle gameplay works, but I love the idea of- that building up and the player realizing, whoa, whoa, I'm getting so powerful and then realizing, oh, things are destroying around me and literally not being able to fail then. Like you, you start building up to the point where, and maybe it is the thresholds. Like if you're, if you're triggering rhythm based things, it's like the thresholds for when they can get a successful trigger on a rhythm, on a rhythmic thing gets bigger and bigger until the point that like literally the player can be hammering whatever button they want and you're still just getting more and more powerful and more, you know, like, mm-hmm. every hit is successful and super successful um, and building up this combo to this epic stage. This is where we get into the review se- section of our game because- oh, of our podcast, where we talk about a game that we've both been playing a little bit recently. I've finished mm-hmm. the game you haven't yet, uh, called The Artful Escape by Beethoven yes. and Dinosaur. A uh, yes. fantastic game that Developed I recommend here everyone- in Melbourne. Yeah. Recommend everyone try it out. They did something amazing with the music. The fact that when you, when you actually 
get into these certain sections of the game where you can literally hit any of the buttons of X, Y, B, and the two and the two shoulder buttons, um, shoulder bumpers, and it all just fits together so nicely. Yeah, and you get those sort of small rhythm sections that you cannot fail. Like yeah. you can actually just go through. I get the feeling that that would work so well in this game right now. Like, yeah. And yeah. If, it, if it was done so uh, done as well as that, like you, you're playing with, um, playing with values within the key that, yeah, they're always complementing each other, so it's all going to sound good. But you can, you've basically got control over the the rhythm and the, you know, the 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 specific chord progressions and things that you're playing. Yeah. Um, I I literally tried to get it to not sound good in the Artful Escape, and it was very hard to get it to not sound good because yeah, 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 yeah. they did such a great job on that. And I would love, you know, it's now making me think. You know, it can actually be done, and this game actually kind of feels like it. It could build on that, but also have a have a bit more of a um, you know, sprawling story. Like not not that I didn't really enjoy the Artful Escape story, but I think. In an RPG setting, it would also mm. work very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think having that those like we've talked about the different choices within your party and and more open worldy uh, sort of layout and, and side quests and things certainly uh, bringing in more of those RPG level mechanics. So I like the idea that you get to choose what character you are, what what your main character is at the start. So you can choose the base player. You can choose. Yeah. You can that choose a guitarist. You can choose a, you know, and if you want a slightly bigger bigger band, you can actually go with a lead guitarist and a rhythm guitarist, and you know maybe yeah, that well, rhythm guitarist maybe is that, a singer. And- yeah, maybe that they have some crossover skills different in different situations for sure. Um, and if you again, if you get a combination of like, oh, well, you've got a lead singer and the the lead guitarist has a certain level of singing skill. Well, then they do back up at certain points, or like you get nice little um, duet moments, moments of harmony, that- harmony moments. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I could see that working really well because I could I could imagine a situation where you can just have bits of songs or bits of music that you can bring in or not based on which based on your combination of band members, right? Yeah, and I'm I'm almost liking a. Each boss fight that you get into, like in the main missions and that sort of stuff, how there's sometimes at the end of the mission there'll be a, you know, a big boss that sort of mm-hmm. works its way out. You can actually, you know, play a song or a song starts to play, and as you're as you're sort of going through, if you hit in time with the music that is playing, you know, you get extra extra power starts building up and until mm. you hit a threshold, and and then. You know, yeah, I think, the explosive I think- power comes out as you do a, you know, a power cord or something like that. I, I, I'm always thinking very much a, um, a Bill and Ted sort of thing of the air guitar sort of thing that you can actually, you know, sort of air guitar it. Yeah. Because yeah, it yeah, actually yeah. turns out that you don't actually need the instruments to, to harness the power. It's just. Well, yeah, or in an artful escape kind of way, you could just have these instruments that appear in your hands when you need to rock out and just like disappear back into the ether when you when you when you stop. Um, yeah, I, I think we obviously we want to make it a bit more skill based than something like the artful escape. Like we we want it to always sound good, but you can miss, like you can fail uh, essentially. But um, 
but it always it's always going to rock out. <laughs> it just means that yeah. they rocked out harder. But that uh, obviously, when you get to that that um, mid scene thing, um, that's a set piece that uh, you're always going you're always going to you know no matter what you do, the power is just going to build up and up and up and up and up until oh, it's yeah, out of yeah, control. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, that, that's a, needed, yeah, like you said, a set piece. It's a story beat that has to happen. Because yeah. um, it then- sets it sets you on into the dark world, kind of like your the Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past sort of thing. Of you thought that you gathered everything and thought that you're ready for the showdown with the other band members, but you're only actually halfway through the game. And yeah, you're actually only halfway through the game. And is now the rest of the game you trying to like gain enough control over your power to turn back time through your rock and and undo that event that destroyed the world? Well, maybe. That, that could actually be kind of cool. But you fail, you and you have to, at the end, accept your place in having done this to the world and move forward in this now destroyed fantasy rock world. And then the sequel gets the- you start and your band is, like, the worst enemy. You know, you're essentially- everyone hates you now. I kind of like the idea the that right at the end, Jack Black, in his character from Brutal Legend, turns up- and and says you need to find the pick of destiny sort of you guys need a roadie <laughs> and it, and it's kind of like oh my god it's double fine and and tenacious d and everything sort of all together all together that's cool um, that's awesome i, I, like I that. really enjoy that um jack black's in psychonauts too by the way cool 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 can't wait to- Yeah, I didn't recognize him in- immediately, but then there's a scene where the character sings, and I'm like, that's fucking Jack Black. <laughs> okay, right. three to one click. Yeah. Oh, this kind of works with Threshold a bit. Raising Maximum. Childish Discarding. Okay. So, I'm thinking- I mean, Childish brings me to, like, the schoolyard in some sort, like some sort of school-based something. Mm-hmm. Um- Maybe raising, <laughs> maybe raising maximum is actually about. There's a kid whose name is Maximum, and you, it's about raising him <laughs> as a child, child rearing. Uh, I mean, raising maximum, discarding. This is all like poker terms, sort of stuff, or, that's or true. gambling terms, mm. and. Childish is it's sitting in a crash. <laughs> <laughs> it's the secret poker game <laughs> behind the rocking horse. <laughs> I'll I'll raise you three dummies. <laughs> uh, okay, I yeah, I call a juice box and show me a hand. <laughs> Uh, so is, is this just a poker game with a with a a baby theme pasted across it, or are we gonna or are we gonna use that scene as inspiration for a larger world? Let's use that scene as inspiration for a larger world because it's a fun scene, but it's it's not a it's not a full game's worth of stuff. We're we're not a Sierra producing Hoyle's book of games. We're a Bitstorm producing or narrative. Tell- I was thinking also like a Telltale. They did their like poker, poker night, poker night or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I think I think we can go further than that. Okay, I like that idea then of 
I mean, I guess it it brings sort of boss baby ish vibes or uh, little Herman from yeah. Roger Rabbit kind of thing of these babies acting like adults. Uh, okay, what's- now I'm now I'm picturing it's kind of like that scene from that from that classic painting of of the dogs playing poker, but it's all the kids playing poker and they've all got cigars. Except they're dummies. Like, They've got dummies just like hanging out of their mouth. The dummies casually. just sort of hanging out with you know the um the handle just sort of swinging in the <laughs> <Just> breeze, swinging. <laughs> okay, I yeah, I think this is a really hardcore noir setting. Then mm-hmm. it's a film noir setting in a creche, basically, or in a kindergarten. Like, ooh, a- so is it all black and white, or at least just we bring in some of those like harsh contrasting colours and stuff, maybe just muted colours at the very least. Uh, the voiceover, but it's all- You can't understand what they're saying because it's just baby speak. <laughs> no, that might be too much. Uh, <laughs> definitely the voiceover. Okay. One of the babies has, like, the gruffest- Well, you know- I think maybe- Maybe there's- I was just about to say, does your character, their, like, internal monologue is the classic, like, I walked in and- they were all playing poker. The dummies hanging out of their mouth. I knew something was going down. And then they speak, and it's just like, "How what a boogie Okay, now, um, have a think who you want to play the the gruff voice because this this person this actor that has to play the gruff voice is also playing the baby talk. <laughs> okay, they're doing both. Yep. Oh, okay. Do you have someone in mind? Okay, I'm getting someone in mind now. Oh, who on the count of- All right. Um, okay. I've got so, someone. I've got someone too. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Three, two, one. Clint Josh Eastwood. Brolin. <laughs> <laughs> Both of those would work. Both of yep. those would work. Both of those would work. Um, I could I could see a bit of a Thanos baby talk <laughs> sort of crossover. Yeah. Yep. Um, but also, you know, a classic Clint Eastwood, you know, sort of snarl. Dirty Harry-ish sort of situation. And then him having to some somewhat do the baby talk Someone is just do the freaking hilarious. I feel, like, I feel like Josh Brolin is much more likely to- To, to actually play, do that. To play with that Clint Eastwood. The other person that I was thinking that. of was Nick Nolte. Um, okay, because of the gruffness, but um, no, I I, I do like you. Interestingly, Josh- I interestingly, my mind first went to Seth Rogen, which he doesn't actually quite have the gravitas that you would want, I think, but he does have a bit of that gruffness to his voice, and then could also do the comedic aspects of it. So, mm-hmm. uh, no, I think I think you're actually right with the with the Josh Rowland. He's I think that could work. Yeah, yep, he's, he's got he's, that- he can do the comedy. Side of he can do the comedy well. side of things. He was a goonie, so that's that's a plus in my book. Like, oh my god, he was, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. I'd forgotten. <laughs> so adding adding all these things together, that that's just perfect. So yeah. he plays he plays a baby slash and noir sort of. So detective. is he? Do we? Yeah, I was going to say. Do we do? Do we do the classic? He's the PI in this crash daycare. Let's say daycare because it's crash is a weird word. Yes. Um, 
Okay, Josh Rowland as he's got the hat and the trench coat. Yep. But he's wearing a fucking nappy. <laughs> it's that whole detective baby legs from from bloody oh. Rick and Morty. <laughs> detective baby legs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh okay. What then is the the grand crime that's gone down here. That's the thing that he's really chasing after this whole game. It's got to be, like, the case of the missing milk. Or the, like- Case of the missing it, formula? Does it go or further? Is it the case of the poisoned formula? formula? So, one of the babies got sick from this- Well, they, they assume from this formula. That's yep. what we set it up as. Maybe you find out that that's not what it was at all. Who knows? It was actually tainted breast milk. <laughs> it was actually just that he's a fucking baby and babies throw up all the time. <laughs> it's actually the I love fact- that that's the only the, thing that happened. They're like- lactose intolerant and they were given the lactose, like, <laughs> formula. Well, I kind of love that idea that, that like, but that, but that baby had that formula and then threw up immediately afterwards. And it was like, yeah, fucking we all do. <laughs> what are you talking about? If we get, like, if we don't get burped, we're going to throw up. <laughs> so, on, on that note, on that note, where do the carers come into this? Are they present at all? Or is this more of a imaginary fantasy world where- they're not really around. Or is it a Muppet Babies kind of situation? It's a Muppet Babies sort of situation where you you see the legs occasionally come in on like the huge fucking legs. But like <laughs> Yeah. When you look up, it like the fog actually obscures <laughs> above okay, like the skirt yes, that's, line. That's great. Cause I was gonna say, how do we Cause you could do a lot with this from the t- from the visual style. Mm. Of like, do we actually set this in a city, but it's- the the implication is it's the imagination of these kids and they're actually in this daycare. Yeah. And so, you've got like, the reading corner is the bar on the- that's that's down the street that they all go to. Yeah. And you've got nap time, which is the fucking- The hotel or whatever. <laughs> okay, good. Hotel. <laughs> I was going to say brothel. <laughs> <It's> like- <laughs> Fuck no, maybe, maybe not. The hotel. Perfect. It's a hotel, but they do charge by the they hour. Do rooms by the hour, um, but only because Mum's picking coming to pick me up at three because she's exactly. only got a half day. Uh, and then yes, you just—I love the idea that you almost don't even address it. You just have these giant creatures walking through, sometimes obscured by the fog and behind the the clouds. Uh, that are the carers that will come around, come along, and yeah, and pluck a pluck a character <laughs> out pluck of a child out of the scene. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's, that's the last time I saw Danny that day, as he got taken home by his mum. <laughs> <laughs> you just yeah, you just build that into like that's just a natural occurrence, of course. Like it's just like yeah, it was clocking out time. Danny's mum came picked him up. It's and- because you exhausted all Danny's dialogue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and, and he was no longer needed for the for plucked the- out of the sky, uh, plucked, plucked from the sky. Uh, that's really fucking good. I like that a lot. Yep. Uh, so okay, you're hunting down the the formula. Uh, is there is there a is there like a 
a bad guy? Is there your nemesis? Is there some other baby um, you suspect did something here? Suspect because, you know, they've always got, you know, you know, you know how you got that gold standard formula? I'm just imagining that, you know, they're, they're always getting, getting the best formula and, and everyone else is, is not always getting that, but it's because their mum brings it from home. But you as a baby don't understand this. Jack- you- <laughs> Jackie thought she ran this place just because she had two of her teeth in already. <laughs> <laughs> but we all knew better. <laughs> 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 Just whenever they talk, it's subtitles and over over baby talk. Yeah. <laughs> Does that mean the only actual dialogue is the internal monologue? Yes. Might be, yeah. But we still get a all-star cast. For the other characters, <laughs> and they literally just do baby, baby talk. <laughs> There's a scene in the middle where, um, where it flicks over to to one of the one of the other views. Like you, you actually get to play like right, a, a, like inside the head of someone else. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a in Leisure Suit Larry Five. In between certain parts, you switch between Passion yeah. Patty and Leisure Suit Larry. Um, I like the idea of you get to switch to switch to like. His secretary, and she's the actual one who's doing well. She she does a lot of the investigative work on the side as well, and yep. you know, it's actually the two of them working together. But she can get in places that he can't, and because sort of stuff. she is um, chronically ill, and so she can get into like the sick bay. Or no, she's not chronically ill, but her mother is a hypochondriac. Mm. <laughs> so so. Uh, the, the, the workers are always like ch- checking her really carefully and taking her to like, you know, the back, the back room with the, that's where the baby ibuprofen is. Mm. Okay. And we suspect that that's what we've put in the formula. Okay. So now we get to choose who the female lead is. Okay. What sort of vibe do we want him to have? Um, youngish. So interestingly, and I, I think this only this only is only coming up because uh, I just saw it in something recently. Uh, I'm thinking like a Linda Cardellini kind of thing. Okay, I was thinking Kate Blanchett or an Anne Hathaway. Okay, yeah, that could work too. Yeah, um, yeah, they're all kind or, of a- or Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt could be amazing. Mm, 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 that could work. Yeah, I like an Emily Blunt. Sure, let's go Emily Blunt. She's she's kind of up there at the moment. Um, it makes me it makes me wonder: Do we bring John Krasinski into to like play the love interest of, of? We we bring him in, but he plays a character who just mugs at the camera all the time. <laughs> 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 He's like just constantly breaking the fourth wall. So yeah, okay, I, I like Emily Blunt in there as the as the female uh, sort lead. of partner in crime, the female lead. Um, so she's the only other voice actor throughout this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, and we maybe well, that, even that switch you actually back and understand. forth between those two main those two main characters essentially at different times. Yeah. Um is she as is, is does she have the same serious noir vibe or is she a bit more playful with it, perhaps? Does she kind of understand that that Josh Brolin's character is hamming it up a bit? Or that the whole world is hamming it up a bit. And she doesn't quite understand it. 
<laughs> kind of it, it, it it's a very look who's talking now vibe of yeah like i can see that she actually understands of is she maybe a bit I, older she's I've actually been in a this bit daycare for for 7 weeks now yeah i it, been in the daycare like- for 7 weeks alive for 1 year <laughs> <laughs> life was flashing before my eyes had time go so quickly? Seconds now seemed like seconds. Before <laughs> seconds, they seemed like minutes. Seconds now seem like more longer seconds. L- no, shorter seconds. Shorter seconds. seconds. Right. Shorter seconds than before because- Because I don't I re- actually- I can't read time, so I don't know what a second is. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, because object permanence isn't a thing for these babies yet- when when they turn around, they're like, where'd they go? Well, okay. okay. I think it's maybe a bit much to do there for all of them. I think there's one character who is younger than the rest who does not yet have- Their object permanence hasn't come in yet, and the other characters comment on it. And just like, <laughs> you can just walk behind them, and they don't remember you exist. <laughs> oh, my God, you exist. <sighs> Every time. You're, <laughs> it's the, you're, you're interrogating them. <laughs> and you're doing the whole, like, they're in the chair and you're walking around the chair, like, dramatically. And every time you come Where's in front of them- Where's that voice coming they're from? like, who are you? Where'd you come from? <laughs> <laughs> every time they it's blink, like, they're oh, like- God damn it. Can we find someone with some object permanence? <laughs> every time they blink, they're like, where'd you go? <laughs> <laughs> we take a nap. The whole world resets. Um, I like that even just as a one-off gag almost of- yeah. Trying to, inv- trying to interrogate someone without object permanence and just slapping. Oh, for Christ. Can we get their partner in here? Three to one click. All right. That's a good one, though. Yeah, I feel like you fun. can get deep on that. Ooh, okay. Postal charm. Grim adaptation. Ooh. But we already did the grim postman pat. Postman pat. Postman Pat, Postman Pat, and his black and white white cat. cat. Uh, Okay, what other- Okay, all right. I forgot that we did that, and that is so so metal that it's come up again. What other postmen are there? No, what (laughs) other- Let's not do Postman Pat. What other postmen are there in popular culture that we can reboot in a gritty- Well, yeah, I don't think there are- I don't think there are enough- like fictional postman characters out there, and I don't know that a Newman from Seinfeld grim story would work really well. So, and we both don't know Kevin Costner's Kevin Costner's yeah. the postman that well. So, so let's come up with something new, but a postal worker story. Well, okay, and threshold makes me think of like a a point that you do not go past as a postal worker. Okay, why do you not go downtown? I mean, is that presumably is that a it's different? Is that a different, um, like postal areas, like <laughs> dropping off point? So it's about like the territories of the postal workers in this place, and it's yeah, it gets violent and and dangerous. Ooh, it's Paperboy, like <laughs> the the three D gritty remake. Of um, Paperboy. But he's, instead of, he's instead all of grown papers, up. Now like, he's not just a Paperboy, he's a postman. Yeah. So, we actually take this character of Paperboy, 
and he's now come up in the world and he he still loves delivering things but yep. now he wants to he wants to deliver things to specific people instead of just going down and having to you know throw everything out at everyone at every single person yeah like deliver to every house yeah he actually is delivering packages and mail mm-hmm. along his route but there are certain places that he's not allowed to go because they're um the boundaries have been drawn in a weird yeah. way in this world. Is this then a, a an Assassin's Creed esque open open ish world mm. where you can see? You, yeah, like you can like you get warnings right if you go into someone else's you know territory. You may uh, be going down this street, and for some reason, this one house. In fact, these three houses in this in this one little row have been jutted into someone else's area. Yeah. And then the other house on the other side is is in your area. Yeah. So you either have to find a way around or you have to risk like going through their area and yep. not being seen. So are there stealth aspects then or is it more around uh find like again the like the parkour kind of thing or combat or all of the above I suppose could be an option. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of liking the idea of you have a van, but there are certain times that you gotta get out. You to- gotta get out. Yeah. Yeah, because I was gonna say I like the idea of the like mail delivery person with their like bag of mail mm. as well and just having that as their like running and jumping through the city. But yes, having the van that you have to go back to. Which is a full-on armoured van, like- Oh, yeah. It's like Mad Max style, like, you know, spikes on the side and- Yeah. <laughs> you, if you didn't lock it, you come back and that thing's now on fucking- On you know, blocks. The, on, on the blocks and the tyres yeah. are all gone and all and that all, sort of stuff. Yeah, like- and not, not to even mention all the undelivered mail that you had that's now going to be taken- out of your, f- out, either out of your salary or out of your flesh. Uh, yeah, I, I like the idea of this really like high stakes mail delivery. Mm. So, in a day, basically you you have to get that you have all this mail to deliver. Yep, and your shift so- doesn't end until it's all been delivered. Okay, oh, I was more thinking you've got all this mail to deliver. You can do it however you want. But, like, any undelivered mail, like, is a penalty of some sort at the end of the day. Uh, And it may- It may- uh, There may be some that, like, will be higher penalty because it was either more expensive or it was to a more important customer or a more important person, right? Like, if you don't deliver that one piece of mail to, like, the crime boss of this area, then you're going to be in deep shit. Yeah. Okay. So- what are your defenses? Like, mm. it. I'm think. I'm thinking the combat is very, very much the um, the same sort of combat systems out of like the Batman, Arkham games. Yeah, and, you know, Shadow of Mordor sort of thing. Of <laughs> sorry, I just had the idea that like you're using your mailbag as a weapon, but you hit someone over the head of it, and like. Mail comes flying out and you have to collect it again because you need to deliver that shit. <laughs> um, or you, I mean, you could just use that as an effect and pretend that that's the unimportant mail, but, uh, that could be an interesting little thing of like, you can't just hack and slash your way through somewhere because you're going to leave a bunch of mail behind if you, if you decide to cut and run. 
uh, you know, you have to beat this bunch of people and then, you know, quickly pick up all the mail before you move on. <laughs> yeah. To not, to not get those penalties. Uh, so are you, uh, are you an independent contractor in this area? Or I think, like, I was thinking maybe you're working for, like, there are these big competing- Mail companies. Yep. Mail companies that essentially have, like, for whatever reason, you know, it's post-apocalyptic in some way where physical delivery is the only safe way to send information. And so those people who can, who are brave enough to do that or then those, and the companies who have built up those stables of people who will do that. Ever since uh, the robotic uprising and, and their leaders, the Amazon drones. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea actually of like automated mail delivery becoming the enemy and thus having, and like net can no longer be trusted. And so now we're back to physical, I mean, to, to human mail delivery people. That's, yeah, I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, it's because Skynet was just so fucked up. Like- <laughs> PrimeNet. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking like- Amazon PrimeNet came online. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is after all the Terminator Wars, and this is just the remnants. But I- I'm well, picturing- Well, I don't know. I wonder, are they still- are uh, there still these drones and stuff that are all that you also have to fight? Like you're not only just fighting the the other territories of the of the other mail companies, but you are sometimes having to fight off these automated mail delivery things who are until, maybe still in use by you know certain until people. you take them down and like and you manage to collect collect the scraps, take them to your to your um to your actual like. Uh, your, si- your science, your science advisor at, yep. um, at you know Planet Express or whatever, wh- whoever you're d- delivering for, um, yep. take it to Doctor Farnsworth, uh, and he he manages to you know turn Build him onto some your side. sort of death clock out of it. <laughs> uh, uh, convert yeah. convert it to your side, so now you've got like a drone that can actually follow you and and mm. you know got bring in some watchdogs sort of vibes where you can like. Okay, I'm going to stay out of, like, in my territory over here, but I'm going to fly this drone. You know, I've got a certain distance I can fly it to deliver uh, deliver this mail. And, you know, mm. maybe it gets shot down. Now you've got to, if you still want to deliver that, you have to go into their territory and collect it, you know, in a dangerous way, or you leave it, and then you can build more drones as you get more parts. Yeah, I like, that's cool. Uh there's bollards all over all over the city. Like there's certain neighbourhoods that they don't want cars coming in, so you mm. know you have to get out and and pack up. Okay, I've got uh, you know three bits of mail that I need to deliver to this to this you know um, this court or whatever. Yeah. So you go in there and it's like, well, I think also yeah, uh, I think as you go on, so I think maybe at the start you are mostly competing in territories with the other mail companies that have human carriers and you're fighting them. But this is more of the, like, lower working class areas. When you get into the upper class areas, where the real money is as well, they're actually- They're still on board with the drones and stuff. Like, they're actually- That's where the the automated stuff is still in full use. Mm. Because, of course, the fucking, like, 1% don't give a shit that, that you know, they're, they're essentially taking over the world because they just want to get their mail on time. Uh, and so that's where once you start getting up to those levels, it's getting more and more dangerous because there's all these automated bots and drones and 
and different Ooh, things. I'm, I'm imagining a few different set pieces. Like you, you, you roll up to, you know, this beautiful apartment block and just, just as you enter, you hear the, um, the squealing of an Amazon drone coming in or whatever, whatever it's called in this, in this yeah. thing. And it's basically, they've obviously just no, put just in an order Amazon. for Amazon Prime at, and you know, it's, it's, you know, deliver in 30 minutes or, or you get it for free sort <laughs> it's of thing. delivering like, like, yeah, it's, it's delivering three minutes and 27 seconds or, or <laughs> your money back. Uh, yeah. And you're about to get into the lift. Yeah. And it comes screaming in and, you know, you have like a, a fight scene between you and this. In the, in the, in the, in elevator. the elevator. Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah. Or you're evading detection if you, if, you know, you're, you know, so I'm, I'm imagining that you see it sort of turning around in a circle and you're having to keep <laughs> you to like stay behind it. And then you realize, you realize, oh shit, this, uh, it's turning back the other way. <laughs> <laughs> this elevator is, is mirrored. Damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, I like that a lot. That's really cool. A fucking post apocalyptic male parkour open world delivery game. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we need one final thing. Who is the who is the main boss? Bezos. <laughs> yeah, but I think he's been turned into like an artificial he's, intelligence. Yes, he's like definitely he's, like half he, robot, half. Well, he loaded his brain into into the into the like. Oh, that's actually what triggered PrimeNet. Yeah, into he's AWS. Bezos, like Bezos uploading himself to S three. <laughs> <laughs> Simple story service, motherfucker. <laughs> it's actually synaptic storage service. Synaptic storage service. <laughs> AWS's new offering. Available only to billionaires and above. That's fucking great. I like that. That, that may like actually that be the name of the episode, synaptic storage service. Yes. Yes. Either that or taste the pain. Either, yeah. <laughs> or just or just like, yeah, Amazon Prime Net is kind of I like yep. that too, but. All right. <laughs> well on that note, I think we will end the episode. Thank you for joining us this week on Bitstorm. If you want to find us online, go to podchaser.com slash bitstorm. Check out all of our previous episodes. 250 next week. What are we gonna do? The big quarter Millennium, the quarter mil, no quarter. That doesn't work because a mil is a million. The quarter quarter, thou. Thou, quarter grand. I don't know. <laughs> two quarter <fitty>. grand. <laughs> uh, that, I don't know what we're going to do. I do not know, uh, but we'll do something a little bit different. Uh, but go and catch up if you want to catch up before next week. Go to chaser dot com slash Listen to listen it to all, all the- on two speed. Yeah, and you'll get you'll through get, it. You'll get through it if, by if- then. Well, maybe you won't. Maybe you should have started. Like, why didn't you start like a few months ago? Like, go back. It's true. How many hours in a week? Only. Don't sleep. Less than 250. So, yeah. But at two speed, like. At two speed, you probably. At two speed, you get through it as long as you don't sleep. Yeah. That, that, yeah. So good. Just have it on day and night and hear, hear our sultry voices. Hear our soothing voices. Let them put you to sleep and inhabit your dreams. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's a scary thought. Um, 
if if you like those scary thoughts and you and you want to have more of our scary thoughts, go listen to Containment Failure, the album by Kuradust. Uh, there's a song on there called Kuradust that we talked about before. There's also a song on there called Mantifiance, and that is our opener and closer each week. So go check that out. Mm-hmm. That's right. So thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. My head is exploding. In flavour, taste the pain bow. <laughs>